0: Hi, I'm Adrian Tan, and this is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR Tech Market Map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hey Manu, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. For a start, could you help the listeners to understand a bit about your background, the chain of events that led you to what you're doing right now, and exactly what is the problem you're trying to solve?
1: My name is Manu, I'm the founder and CEO of Rolling Arrays, which is an HR transformation company, and I started this company in Singapore in the May of 2009, and by profession, I studied chemical engineering before, and, and then I was working with SAP for a while as a technology architect. So that's my background, by discipline, and by work experience before I started Rolling Arrays. And last 12 years, ever since we started Rolling IRIS in 2009, we've been concentrating majorly on the HR technology bit and which is primarily implementing HR technology systems. One of the main systems that we do is SAP success factors, which is HR cloud software by SAP, and some of the products that we created along the way in the last uh, few years of our journey when we interacted with the different uh, type of customers needing a diff- different type of HR requirements from a technology perspective.
0: And what would be the target size of your typical customer? We, we service customers who are in the enterprise space. That
1: means typically more than 1,000 users or 1,000 employees. And it could be one country or it could be a few countries. And then all the way to, let's say, 5,000 or 10,000 or more and across countries. So to, to give you a flavor, some of the customers that we support and, and, and service in Singapore, like Far East or like Singapore Zoo, Singapore Pools, in Malaysia, like Cellcom or in, in UA like Alpha 10 Group, etc.
0: What are some key differences when it comes to the requirements from an SME versus the enterprise customers that you're looking at?
1: That's a great question. I would say that the SMEs usually look for localized solution from an HR perspective, but from a statutory perspective, all the rules are already there. So what happens is over the years what I have observed that there are a lot of local solutions which are more common, which the SMEs are able to adopt. And they are very good solutions from that perspective because they are localized, but the problem is that when the SMEs grow to more than few countries, that's where the localization doesn't happen because the software was not built for that. The enterprise customers or the enterprise software market is more geared towards security, features which are across the borders and integration, which is not so much the requirement of an SME customer because they've got hardly a couple of systems. And they usually are happy with doing a manual upload between their systems because the data is less. The amount of transactions are not that many.
0: In Singapore context, SME would be not more than 200 headcounts. Would it mean that if I have 200 employees, the day that I reach 201, then I should quickly look into an enterprise solution? Or is it more of an organic, depends kind of situation?
1: I would say that every SME will have some kind of roadmap in terms of their growth expansion. It could be by number of employees or it could be by number of countries. So you could have a geographical expansion or you could have an overall uh, a headcount expansion based on whatever is your business pattern or whatever is your business growth area is. So I would say that if you are going into multiple countries and you want to have a consolidated view, something that you should look out for, that you should have a system that can enable you to manage multiple countries data. So that is one transition. It could be that you are not crossing 200. And, but you are uh, spreading across four countries so that's where I think one thing is important i have seen a lot of customers having problems when they do not look out for some solutions and then they are actually manually managing the data and sometimes the decisions which needs to be taken at the right time are actually delayed which of course causes a business problem and the other one is if you already have a very clear plan of growing the headcount from a certain number to a higher number then definitely yes because the more headcount then you have more transactions and you may need to buy other systems and to integrate your hr system with other systems as such of course a little bit more forward-looking
0: solutions and earlier on you emphasize about enterprise solution having a heavier set of security measures Compared to some of the localized solutions or maybe solutions that cater for SME, maybe because I'm not a security expert, but given that most of the hosting around done um, through third party like AWS, that I would imagine the level of security would put everyone on par. What are the additional security aspects that enterprise solutions are able to bring into the picture that the smaller providers are not able to?
1: That's a very good question. And so what happens is usually, There are two aspects of security. One is done at the infrastructure level, and one is done at the application level. What I mean by that is, now it is a given that most of the, even the smallest of the smallest solutions available, let's consider them tier three, are hosted on AWS. So the infrastructure security is usually taken care by AWS. Example, earlier we had heard about a disaster recovery, and then you should have multiple databases, and all of that is automatically taken care by AWS. However, The application level security needs to be built and taken care by the application provider. And that's where actually the gap is between a smaller solution provider versus a big solution provider. And the smaller solution provider will not have the infrastructure because they are not charging that much to the customer that they will be able to do all of those certifications to the independent bodies to be able to do that. Example, when the data is being stored, whether you are ensuring that all of this data is encrypted when the data is being transmitted from one system to another. So this is one big aspect of it. Another one would be that are you able to segregate the data in your different application layers, considering an web application layer or a mid-tier application layer and the database application layer. And when, if you are having a distributed architecture, sorry, I'm going a little bit technical, but then if you are having a distributed architecture, whether the data exchange between two different distributions actually is secured or not. So this is one aspect of it. The other would be that how much security you are actually able to do when the users connect the, the application URL to the server and how the data is transmitted or to, onto their uh, laptops and whether you are able to segregate that data in terms of virtual VPNs. Now, all of these aspects actually are available as AWS services but you will need to consume those AWS services to build into your application security infrastructure, which is not you can consider that, oh, I'm on AWS, everything is taken care of. Yes, a certain aspect of it is taken care, like the way I mentioned, from a s- infrastructure perspective, which is the base, but the application security needs to be consumed. and And of course, there are amazing services available out there
0: which can be used. Could you help the audience to understand what would be the repercussion If companies decided to be a bit more relaxed about the security aspect. So
1: today we are in the era of cloud systems. That means you just simply subscribe to a software and then you use it. And uh, you get a URL and and you create your users and data, everything, and then you start using it. The data is hosted on a cloud platform, example, AWS. And what happens is there is multi-tenancy created when the cloud systems are giving access to different customers. So we say every tenant is one customer. And when you say every tenant, the data is segregated in a separate schema for each customer. So if the provider is not maintaining a robust data separation or data schema or a good multi-tenancy, there is a risk of data mix. And in the security aspect, when you are creating different roles or you are giving access to different data streams, you have to 100% ensure that the data is not mixed across customers. So this is one aspect where if the provider is not taking care of this aspect, there could be a data mix, which is, of course, a big security issue from a customer perspective. And and of course, in in a tier two or in a a tier one system, that will never happen because the basic that every software provider basically is adhering to. But of course, in the smaller solutions available, in the localized solutions, this could be one of the potential issue if, if the provider has not taken care. And the other things I would say is that if the, if, if the providers basically are not separating the different layers, for example, whether the web layer is not, I would just simplify by saying web layer and the backend layer. If the web layer is storing data within the, the, the front end and the data is not captured in the database, then there is a big aspect of data leak. So you would have basically experienced that sometimes the users complain that I filled a form. But then the data is not reflecting and where did my form go even though i click on submit so these are sophisticated data capture uh, uh, mechanisms where you do not provide the right services within the platform where the data gets correctly captured and there is no data leak so this could be also one of the things that uh, the users may experience if this is not taken care and 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 the problems happen
0: i understand you are a huge proponent of ai What are some HR use cases that people should consider?
1: One of the use cases I would say is that if you everybody is aware that there is this expense management uh, software category, and if I could go back uh, in time, there was a time when there are three actors in this category. One is the employee or the user who actually creates, who incurs the expense, and then of course he needs to get the money back from the company. Then the manager who approves this particular expense, and the finance who finally takes a look at the data is correct and pays to the employee. So these are the three different uh, actors in this particular process of expense reimbursement, so to say. There was a time when it was purely paper-based, maybe a couple of decades before, where I will take a receipt from the vendor where I'm actually uh, spending the money and then I will fill a form, a physical form. I will punch the receipt and the form together and give it to my manager. My manager will basically then look at it. If everything is okay, he will probably put a stamp or say approved and hand it over to the desk of the finance. This was earlier, I say a couple of decades before. Then came the age of web where it was digitized. And when I say digitized, meaning a simple web form and a web form will have the data and you will, the the, the employee will be able to fill the data and upload a receipt to that particular form. And the form gets routed to the manager and the manager looks at the data, approves it, and then it goes to the uh, finance and then they finally do the payment. Then came the mobile, where now you are able to very easily just snap a receipt on your mobile. You go to your mobile app, and you just pick the receipt from your photo library, and then attach it, and then fill the form, and then send it to your manager, and the manager will take a look on his mobile, look everything okay, approve, and then send it to the finance. And of course, the benefit is that it was easy to organize the spend from an employee perspective, and the manager was able to quickly approve it. I would say that the aspect that I'm, I'm going to talk about is the artificial intelligence usage. And this could also be an explanation of how artificial intelligence is used across different categories of HR processes. And you can even extrapolate it to finance processes or logistics processes. So now, how are we going to apply artificial intelligence into this process? And let's assume that the mobile-first technology is already available, which I would say, let's say, it's available in the last five, six years, and only in the last two, three years, where the AI actually has has come up and, and, and different providers are applying that. So now imagine I am uh, going and taking a receipt and I just snap it in my mobile and it's already there. And my I have a mobile app which is connected to a folder within my photo folder and which is the expense folder. The mobile app will automatically pick up that particular receipt. It will automatically read all of the items in the receipt It will automatically create the expense, fill the expense form and create the expense item. And then it will also flag out the things that the employee should look out for. example, that there are five receipts and all of these are automatically created. Some of the information that the employee needs to look carefully before submitting. And the employee will just come into the mobile app and look at all of these auto-created expense items and simply just submit it to his manager. Now, So we are able to solve 50% of the time where employee creates these expense reports on his own and he will just basically now uh, look at it and submit. So this is one aspect of employee actor. Then goes to the manager. The manager, imagine I have six direct reports to me and each of them submit about 70 different expense items to me per month. Could be more. What happens is Apart from solving for the time where the system will automatically give you, so to say, we we call it like a traffic light violations, red, orange, uh, and green, where if an employee has given two receipts, both of them are incurred exact same value, same vendor, and same day. There is a possibility that it could be a duplicate. The system will actually give a a amber light and, and, and let the manager say, you may want to look at it in detail before approving it. The remaining would be green. The manager would simply straight away could approve it. The ones could be red would be potentially, let's say an employee is actually giving a receipt which is incurred on a weekend. And in the industry is a corporate industry like a software provider. So typically it is very unlikely that the employee will actually incur an expense on a weekend. So that could be something that the manager may not want to approve. Now, all of these aspects are automatically built in. The AI, and I, I probably want to use the word machine learning that like the system, the algorithm will slowly learn based on the approval and based on the submission of different employee and manager pattern and improve upon the violations or these three traffic traffic-like concept slowly that the amount of time that the manager and employee are spending on the system is decreased. On top of it, the manager is not approving a lot of receipts, which he was not supposed to as compared to the mobile first technology where... He, because of the lack of time, and it happens in a lot of organization. he was just approving it, which is straight away mapped to a return on investment for the company that a lot of money that was being reimbursed were not supposed to be. And because of the AI usage, it was AI can actually highlight those which are violations and the manager can look at it. Now, it
0: never occurred to just like, I guess... When we sign up for a new mobile phone, we just sign the contract blindly. We often doesn't read. And for a manager to go through, <laughs> especially if the, your span of control is so wide, there's so many expense. If you have five salesperson to handle, each of them submit 10 receipts. That's 50 receipts to go through. In Singapore context, we've got time (laughs) to go through so many receipts. And I think it's quite uh, powerful and intelligent that, oh, okay, if the receipt is on Saturday, hang on, you're spending on Saturday, it doesn't make sense. So are are there specific industries or key focus that this would be more relevant for, or it is entirely agnostic? Yes,
1: I would say, Adrian, that this is one solution which is 100% industry agnostic. Everybody has uh, this use case and everybody gets benefited if they have a more streamlined expense management. And you will be surprised to know that most of the companies are still on either paper-based uh, expense management or on web-based expense management. And while the technology is already matured to mobile and now even AI. And this is one area where I would say that most of the HR users actually could look at that, how they are handling their expense management process within their respective organizations and what is the amount of value that is there which they can unlock by adopting a more mature technology. And I would say AI is just the right technology currently at the maturity level of AI what we have today to be able to apply to this particular expense management process. And besides Uh,
0: applying AI to expense management and drastically save the amount of time and effort required by the users, any other application of AI that you have put forth across the use cases and application?
1: The other one I would say then, of course, it is the most common topic. Everybody talks about uh, a COVID-19 topic and what is the emergence of different technologies because of the constraints that the uh, COVID-19 has unleashed uh, upon the universe, I would say, basically, (laughs) in a larger context. So, one of the things, again, because we come from the HR group perspective, I would say that one of the things that we, we saw is that different organizations, when they were doing time capture, now, again, time capture is a more prevalent use case in a retail store, or in a manufacturing plant, or in a healthcare, especially all the healthcare providers where they are basically doing shifts, or again, retail, healthcare, manufacturing, and all of those, even the engineering, constructions, and and, and, and operations company, and all of that, they are doing time capture, and all of these time capture is done on physical biometric devices. So on a retail store outside, there is a physical biometric device outside a construction site, outside a healthcare site, outside a retail store, or a manufacturing plant. Now, these are there is there is this now is that it should be contactless. And uh, if you are basically punching out the same person, uh, different people are punching out the same biometric device, and then it is in, in the COVID uh, scenario, now it is considered that it is not hygienic or it is not safe. Now again, the problem was that if you were to replace or remove these physical biometric devices, how do you authenticate that the person was there when he was punching in? How do you authenticate that the person who is supposed to punch, punched, if you are removing that?
0: And so essentially no fraud. Nah.
1: No fraud, exactly. So you need to ensure two things basically, primarily location and the person. And that's where we actually, was about a year and a half back, actually, we uh, we started working on this idea that how we could make sure that we are, if we are creating a mobile app and we want to replace all of these physical biometric devices, what all stuff, basically, we need to take care. Of. So what we did, we created a mobile app, and we, we approached that the location can be approached using a dynamically generated QR code, which is refreshing every 10 seconds. So that means a person cannot punch in that particular QR code unless that person is at that location, because he will only get access to that QR code automatically on the mobile app only when he's in that location. Right. And that location, we could integrate with a small beacon technology, or we could integrate with the GPS, depending upon uh, whether the internet is there or not. And the other one was, how are you able to authenticate the person? Which again, if you have a smaller mobile phone, you can use fingerprint technology. And if you have a little bit larger mobile phone, you could use a face detection technology of the native services available within the mobile. And, And then we realized actually that this was something which was widely adopted, and the customers basically were benefited because then it was contactless and it was queueless, actually. Because in the beginning, nine o'clock, everybody needs to punch in and people were queuing. And again, from a COVID perspective, it was not something which was hygienic and safe. So we were able to achieve that contactless, queueless. At the same time, now the customers have started coming to us with their new requirements saying that, oh, our people are working from home. So even in a corporate environment where this use case was not earlier valid, because it was more of a shift worker uh, use case. That they wanted basically that people should capture their location from a gps perspective when they're working from home there is more amount of data and more discipline in the clock in clock out stuff yes and and i feel that this technology is going to as the day by time will get more advanced so that there is absolutely no experience loss from an end customer perspective when biometric device is being replaced by the mobile but i would say that The amount of technology that is available today, today, this biometric devices are 100% replaceable and and HR users basically should look on various available technologies to adopt this particular process. So that of course, they are able to execute a contactless, queueless, and of course, a more efficient way. And one of the things I would like to highlight, Adrian, is that we realized this actually when we were automating this, is that earlier, the biometric device was a dumb device. So you capture the data, But then it doesn't go to the downstream system immediately because it will go once in a day or once in two days because more important, more emphasis was capturing the data. Imagine if the data is captured on a mobile, then it is an intelligent device. It is sending the data in real time to the downstream system, which are secure, which are uh, storing your shift patterns, employee names, and all of that stuff. And the managers or the supervisors get real time alerts if the guy turned up on the right day or not after four days of leave. But the guy actually was late by two hours. So then nine, nine o'clock itself, the manager will get a, uh, an alert, and then he could make arrangements to send the guy in real time uh, to be able to avoid the business loss because of nobody at the plant or nobody at the machine, or if it is a billable work. So that was another pattern that we identified, which was uh, appreciated by different uh, customers when we were trying to discuss the requirements with them. And one of the one of the use cases I would say is Mount favor where. We replaced their biometric devices uh, in six, 16 different locations in Singapore with this particular mobile app, and, and they were able to
0: streamline that. And firstly, I'm, I'm surprised that favor has 16 different locations. I thought they were, <laughs> they only have one Malphaba. But And all this would only be made possible because of recent development and improvements in AI.
1: Yes. I would say, Adrian, that to be honest, there is always a reason before a technology gets advanced. So... I don't think that COVID-19 is the only reason the users should adopt this technology because this is more advanced, this is more real-time, and this is more beneficial for the business. But the trigger came because of COVID, when they had a mandatory compliance requirement that the attendance should be queueless and, more importantly, contactless. And of course, after that, they realized it should also be queueless. And then after that, they realized, oh, it is benefiting from a real-time data downstream perspective. So I would say, yes, trigger was COVID. But definitely it is more for technology advancement from bio, bio, physical biometric to this. I just give an analogy of all of us were using SMS. Um, we used to call it text message. And for years we were using it and we were using voicemail. Nobody remembers even, and of course our kids will not even remember that because of the new technology, which is for example, WhatsApp or Vibe or, or similar uh, solutions that are available. And there is no need of a voicemail or a text actually. And this is a new technology. But again, users don't know or uh, uh, whether such a technology exists until they experience it. So it is more of an invisible pattern. But after they start using it, they are never able to live without that. And and, and I think that's what, of course, invention means. But again, it comes because of either somebody creates a disruption, creates an invention, or because of a trigger point like COVID for this particular use case I
0: talked about. Having said that, I I am seeing a lot, of course, a lot of companies jumping onto the AI bandwagon, and this has been happening for the longest time. I think uh, AI was almost becoming a must-have buzzword, of (laughs) course, with most recently it being replaced with blockchain and all that. But are there any HR processes that you feel where AI is a bit of an overkill? Or perhaps not exactly necessary, whereby when a vendor tries to say, oh, you should do AI on this, they are in essence just bullshitting, trying to create an unfair advantage when it isn't necessary to begin with.
1: Honestly, Adrian, there are a lot of use cases and what comes to my mind immediately, one of the things that I've experienced is that in the customer service, the AI, I think in a while it'll happen, but let's say, just imagine you are calling a contact center for any problem that you may have as an end customer. And then if you end up talking to AI a conversation device and you start giving your problems and the answer is coming in. The experience is not mature as of today with the current amount of technology. And while different providers are adopting that, but I personally feel, and it is my personal opinion, that the AI is not ready for that. Some of the providers have created this pattern of shifting in the background from an AI conversation answer to a real human. But then I think it breaks the experience of the customer and that the customers basically can forget, forgive people, but they never forgive machines. If they have this experience where then they feel that they are being cheated. And of course, it decreases the amount of interaction with that particular software or with that particular thing that whatever they have bought. Let's say it could be it could be a, let's say, a washing machine or anything. And if they are having that kind of experience. So, yes, that is one use case that comes to my mind. But I'm certain, Adrian, there are a lot of other use cases which are not mature with respect to the current AI available technology. And but then, of course, vendors are trying that. And I think probably in the years to come, it may happen.
0: So it's not that the vendors are trying to pull a fast one. It's just at the at the current state of the AI maturity. For those specific use cases, you may not get the kind of ROI that one can come to expect where if they were to take on your expense management or your attendance software, so that there's more time will be needed or they're too early in the game right now.
1: 100%. So that's exactly what uh, I was trying to say, Adrian, that this is trying and the usage of AI is going to be there but then it all depends upon what type of use case you are applying the current maturity of AI technology to. And that is where I mentioned, and, and I could give an same example about the expense management. If you would have applied the OCR technology a few years ago to automatically look at the receipt and capture the right data and fill a form with the, there was, the technology was not mature enough. You see, you everybody would have heard OCR for a very long time but then the OCR technology was not mature few years back the way it is today. So again, there is a possibility that after a few years, we are able to talk and have a very good, meaningful conversation with a bot and he would be or he, let's call it, he or she would be able to give an answer. But then yes, I think today, probably not yet. A basic answer, yes, I like how many leaves I have and all is okay, but not like a meaningful conversation.
0: And be, be, are there any specific upcoming development of AI you're looking forward to?
1: I'll give an example from running ruling arrays myself. and the, We are in a people business. So that means if we have good people, our customers will be happy. And if our customers are happy, we will be able to grow and, of course, expand the business. And which means that we need to have better selection of talent. And if there is a way we could use AI for that, what I mean by that is, Imagine today, what is the usual process? You look at, you write a job description, you give it to your talent acquisition team, they look out for different people, there are available psychometric tests, they give them, and then you interview them, and then you basically hire them. But then imagine if there could be an automatic job prediction scoring, which can look into different parameters and finally give a job job prediction scoring before you actually hire that person. And it could be that there could be seven questions that the hiring managers need to answer, And the AI will automatically feed and they will understand what is the company culture. Because if you ask a direct question, everybody will say, we have an amazing culture. But you ask those seven questions automatically, which are fed into a system, and then AI will manipulate and figure out and what is the final answer. Then the AI will be able to read through the job description, automatically create primary and secondary skills. Then we'll go probably to the social media and look at their social profiles and then basically depict a pattern. And then after that, send them a a test through a video and communication based platform and then assess the way they speak, assess the way they their facial expressions and looking at all of it. And maybe even the video, physical video recording, which is done by the hiring manager, look at all of this and finally give a job prediction scoring. Now, again, I would say today, the technology of AI is not that mature that we are able to get that. But imagine if we are able to get that kind of a very close job scoring and then match it and the machine learning algorithm can improve upon. Meaning I hire five people, there was a job scoring on zero to 10 scale, seven. And then finally, the uh, uh, there is a test given to those employees again through the AI-based uh, uh, provider. And then the job scoring basically comes in and then it matches. And slowly it'll improve upon uh, using a machine learning algorithm. And finally, the job scoring would be closest to the reality fit, which as humans will never be able to see. So I always say that humans are very good at making uh, uh, judgments, but not good at making predictions. And that's where the AI will predict and the humans can then judge. And And I think that's that could be an amazing use case. If And, and I'm sure there are a lot of providers who are actually working on this aspect and there are so many uh, solutions available, but I think it will take a little while before the technology is that mature, that the organizations can benefit from such aspect to that extent
0: thanks for sharing your insights with us and also to uh, segue into uh, some of the concern that people may have about ai because many have expressed that ai might really bring about what we have seen during the ludite's movement where of course the loom happened and then the the laborers actually you know destroy the machines and all that so there are concerns that ai would actually disrupt jobs and remove many jobs for people which i think looking at trends it is happening but of course having said that there are also signs that new jobs will be created in your opinion are, are these fears are these concerns valid
1: we do not have to worry about machines. Machines are only going to increase the quality of life and the, the quality of technology, and we will always be on top of them as the users. And I'll give a simple example. There are different, meaning uh, an economy is uh, comprises of different industries and the way we make money. And then, of course, the money gets rotated between the different industries, between the different users, and that is called the GDP or the, 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 the VA of, an, of, of a company, of, of a country and one industry goes down something else comes up then another one goes down something else comes up so people start investing in the industry which is actually uh, gaining traction and of course and that the industry which is not gaining traction actually just people don't even remember so the jobs that today we are worried about we will not even remember they they may not exist but then different type of jobs will exist so what we need to do is we need to ensure that we are reading and beyond our degree and beyond our education and knowing what's happening and we are able to decide upon our right career path. I think that's more important. And that's what probably I would say to, to the younger generation, which is, which is currently studying and of course, even laterals and even to myself, I always apply and, 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 and give this advice that everybody should keep learning. And then it is very easy. The experience will never go waste and they can just basically use that experience And figure out what is available so there will be lots of jobs always available and it is just a matter of there could be a shift that one type of job changes to another type actually and it is only going to create more employment i would say a new technology will only create more employment and but different type but we need to be vigilant and we can always complain that this type or that i was doing that accounting job and now most of the work is automatically done but then again you could basically figure out doing something else so that's more important rather uh, to finding out what more I could do than getting afraid of this. Yeah.
0: For people who may be keen to learn more about what you do and your company, where can they go to?
1: Uh, they could go to our website, rollingiris.com and then we have the products that I spoke about. One is called Reimbers, uh, which is the expense management and the other one is called CICO. It's a short form of clock in, clock out. All of them individually have their own website, rollingiris.com, reimbers.digital and uh, cico.digital.
0: Thanks, Manu. Thanks for your time today. Really lovely speaking with you. Yeah, all right. Thank you very much, Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.